one of my favorite bears, it's Mr. Chocolate. Timothy Treadwell was the subject of the documentary by world-renowned filmmaker Werner Herzog. The film Grizzly Man shows the life and times of the eccentric animal rights activist who chose to live among grizzly bears in Alaska. He claimed to have bridged the gap between man and wild beasts like no one else before him. He had the secret powers of bypassing nature. His crusade was helping people become aware of the unfair reputation grizzly bears had earned, insisting they were more like Winnie the Pooh and less like murder machines with razor-sharp claws. Experts found Tim's work incredible and accused him of disregarding the power of nature. Hmm. See, the lack of humility before nature that's being displayed here um, staggers me. Tim fired back with countless hours of videos of him pretending that these bears were no less than teddy bears in, of course, their natural wild habitat. Oh, he's a big bear. He's a big bear. Like many in our age, he believed he somehow was the exception. He could sin against nature and that there would be no repercussions for doing so. But the people are retarded. Like all before him who believed that they were better than objective truth, Tim learned a hard lesson. In 2003, he and his girlfriend were savagely attacked by a bear and killed. One wildlife expert who knew Treadwell said this, his death was tragic, but not unexpected. Once and for all, I will solve the mystery of Timothy Treadwell today on this show. I don't freaking know. He was a sad and lonely man who found something that would provide the needed attention that he never got doing anything else in society. He was desperate to know that his life mattered, like all of us, and since he couldn't find that meaning in society, he retreated to the wild. He was so desperate to find it, he settled for trying to find it among killing machines. Is it any wonder that people are trying to find it in the trans community under the knife of surgeons? If people can find likes on social media, even if it comes at the cost of lifelong pain, infertility, and bone density issues, there are people out there who will take that chance because the desire for meaning is so deeply etched into our souls. If you wonder why the suicide rate in the trans community is off the charts, it is because when people perform life-altering full-body plastic surgery with the expectation of finding this meaning and purpose and then do not find it, the doctors go away filthy rich and the patients suffer in silence. You know, the surgery was just going so excellent and the recovery process was perfect. And now all of a sudden, overnight, my vagina just like changed. Because they can't venture to go off the reservation and tell the new community that has accepted them and loved them, hey, this crap doesn't work. As the saying goes, the more you around, the more you're gonna find out. So as COVID makes a comeback, the Biden administration works to undermine the Second Amendment and Oliver Anthony shares God's word on the biggest podcast in the world. I'll try to show you today how stupid secularism is. We'll talk about that and more today on Indie Thinker. Welcome to the show. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And if you want to support the show, a great way to do that is to go to our Herbal Alchemy store. Now, this morning, I shaved this very rugged, manly face. And afterwards, I was encouraged by my wife to use the Herbal Alchemy aftershave. And I had never used an aftershave before in my life. But today, I took a risk, and I splashed on whatever aftershave really is at the end of the day. Usually, I just shave, wipe the blood away, and then grunt and go to work. But today, I was invigorated. I was refreshed as I splashed on this wonderful 
product. And most of all, I had the wonderful euphoric experience of getting my man card back while also pushing away woke, ridiculous products out of my bathroom. So Herbal Alchemy is your one-stop shop for all health and beauty products that are totally woke-free, but also totally chemical-free. It's cruelty-free as well, because who wants to be cruel to things, whatever that means. But of course, more importantly, when you support Herbal Alchemy, you're supporting IndieThinker, but you're also supporting a great company that is not only a Christian company, but puts their money where their mouth is because they fight to stop human trafficking around the world. So proceeds that come into their company go back out to stop human trafficking. So if you want to support the end of human trafficking, support IndieThinker, then please go to the link down below in the description of this podcast where you can access great health and beauty products for men, for women. You can even kick coffee out of your kitchen by checking out Arise. There's a special promotion right now for Arise that you can find by going to the link down in the description of this podcast. You can go to bit.ly forward slash indiethinker where you can access the store or again you can click the link down below but do so and when you do so you'll get your man card back if you're a man, get your woman card back if you're a woman but more importantly have the freedom of conscience to know that you are putting your money where your mouth is by supporting this great business. Well, I bet you never thought you would hear it. COVID is back, baby, and along with it, uh, perhaps a whole host of mandates and potentially even lockdowns if the government feels froggy. Isn't it interesting that this is happening around election season yet again? By the way, I've already prophesied to you that we would hear a whole host of how white supremacy is the greatest domestic terror threat in the world, and that's already started to happen. Uh, After this Jacksonville shooter, of course, we didn't get anything of the like. We got whatever Biden's favorite ice cream flavor was when this Nashville shooter came to town. Uh, But with this Jacksonville shooter, of course, we got white supremacy and obviously the coded message of uh, black people vote for me because I mean, I've done nothing to fight white supremacy if I actually believe that it is the domestic terror threat that I say it is. So anyway, Biden is full of, well, you know, but nonetheless, uh, it's interesting, too, that we're hearing more conversation about COVID in the midst of this, because now we're hearing about a brand new variant of COVID uh, that is now popping up close to election season. But of course, COVID didn't go anywhere. COVID is around now in every nation of the world and will never go away. It's basically going to be like seasonal flu now. Uh, But we've stopped hearing about it in the news until recently. Isn't that odd? But CNBC is here to help us, you know, relive our wonder years in 2020 and to relive our COVID mask mandates and lockdowns because they bring us a story about a brand new COVID variant that apparently we need to know about. And it says this, an uptick in COVID cases and hospitalizations in the U.S. and the emergence of new variants of the virus are prompting questions about whether Americans should start masking up again. One thing's for sure, people infected with COVID should wear a mask around others to prevent the spread of the virus for those not infected. The decision to mask depends on a few things. That includes your personal risk level, COVID rates in your region, and who you might make contact with, public health experts said. First and foremost, people in high risk of serious illness or death from COVID should consider wearing masks in crowded in public spaces, especially in poorly ventilated areas. 
Now, push aside for a moment the fact that we know that the vast majority of people wearing masks are not wearing N95 masks, and even if they were, there's all these questions as to whether or not even masking causes cancer if prolonged use of these masks is, is uh, practiced. And, and beyond that, the fact that we know that the vast majority of people don't wear these masks correctly and that they basically do nothing as it comes to COVID. But here we are again experiencing deja vu with what took place in 2020. Have we not learned our lesson yet about compliance to the government and blind adherence and blind faith to science. Well, apparently not, because Lionsgate just the other day lifted their mask mandate that they had on their business. But they're not alone in trying to reinstitute the past, because according to CBS, mask mandates are back in schools and businesses. And they highlight in this article one school in Atlanta that has already instituted mask mandates and mandated social distancing and contact training. Tracing. One would think that we've learned our lesson in the past from these things, how masks don't actually work, how Anthony Fauci is on record initially saying, hey, don't worry about wearing masks, um, and then is on record saying, hey, I was just lying to you because I wanted to secure surplus for nurses and doctors. So if he actually believed mask mandates were the cure-all for, or at least a protection against COVID, then essentially he's on record saying, I'm going to lie to you because doctors' lives are more important than your lives, and then I'm going to potentially tell you the truth, but really not tell you the whole truth because now I'm gonna tell you to wear two and three and four masks and essentially this. If you don't realize by now that these people are liars, then there really is no hope for you. You are terminally compliant and you don't think for yourself. It's clear now that if the government can break the law for the sake of an emergency, that they will create a, an emergency for the sake of breaking the law. So in other words, it's important for us to think for ourselves about these kind of things and to really question why in the world is COVID making a comeback? Why are we talking about it again? Why are we so willing to take our brains, throw them in the trash and just trust the experts, the scientists? Hopefully by now, and I think Christians are uniquely qualified to detail this, that, that naturalism, the idea that all ma the material world has all the answers that we'll ever need is a totally fundamentally flawed and ridiculous concept that we all have to be willing to weigh the pros and cons of things and that the scientists really don't know as much as they pretend to know. Science isn't there to shut down conversation any more than it's there to try to disprove the existence of God. It is not there to try to help us understand the immaterial world. It's only there to try to help us in a very limited basis understand in the material world. And what I mean by immaterial world, I mean, like how can science truly help us measure the risk of our long-term education deficits and measure the risk of our well-being and our family's livelihood in contrast to, to the severity of this disease? And, and ultimately, it really, it really can't. More importantly, Freedom is this immaterial good, and justice is this immaterial good that needs to be upheld regardless of what these materialistic scientists want to try to impose upon us. Ultimately, all I'm saying is this, is that, is that the people who want to use the naturalistic explanation of the science and, um, and the expert class are merely just trying to shut down conversation and usurp authority rather than trying to be honest with us. Now, why might they be doing such a thing? Well, um, there's a couple of scenarios here that I want to try to put forward to you because a lot of people are taking notice of the fact that 2024 is right around the corner of politics kind of heating up in the country. And here we have Vivek talking about 
why we are starting to see things heat up in Russia and the Ukraine and what may happen as a result of that. In other words, what I want to try to explain to you real quick is how politics is wading into what is happening all around us. Now, first and foremost, before we get to COVID, let's get to the Ukraine war, because here's what Vivek Ramaswamy thinks about uh, the Ukraine war and what that ultimately is leading us up to. But now, Sean, there's also a deeper point, which is that I worry we are now driving Russia closer into China's arms. And They're the Russia-China alliance is the no. single greatest threat that we face. And that's what I really worry about. It's and already I think that there. If there's an it's Russia, China, and Iran. Well, a new exactly. axis of evil is formed. So simply, Vivek is arguing here that it's very possible that because we know the corruption of our, our political class, that they'll try to get us into a war with China that will ultimately prolong the presidency of Joe Biden. This happens every single year where we talk about these kind of things, whether it happens or not. I don't know. Um, but it's very clear to see that COVID also fits into the realm of this kind of thinking that COVID is just being kicked up again simply because simply because it is a great and useful tool to invoke fear in a class of people who refuse to think for themselves and think that somehow the government and our scientists have an answer for any of this stuff. Suffice to say, I don't think World War III is, is coming anytime soon. At least I hope it doesn't. And I'm not entirely positive that they're going to bring back out lockdowns and mask mandates. I think the government has learned their lesson. That's why they put it to bed a long time ago and have forgotten about it. They'll still try to roll it out to invoke a little bit of fear if they can and to try to remind people, you know, um, uh, about why Joe Biden is so desperately needed. Uh, you know, his skills laying out on the beach while fires are going on in Maui, Maui are just absolutely important. But the one thing I can try to tell you is that regardless of if COVID is, is rolled out again and mandates and lockdowns or Vivek is right about World War III, the one thing I can almost assuredly tell you is this, is that a new candidate is coming um, in place of Biden in 2024. Now, I cannot justify such an assertion and an assumption outside of the fact that we see Gavin Newsom debating Ron DeSantis for some odd reason. And we see, um, you know, things like this, that if you look for certain Google searches that look at candidates for the GOP, you'll get things like Bernie Sanders coming up in Google rather than, rather than things about the GOP. Um, well, all that pushed aside, um, it, let, it, let it just be a conspiracy theory yet again that may be proven correct. But I don't believe that Joe Biden is going to run in 2024. And that's why we're seeing a whole bunch of stuff about Biden's impeachment and even the mainstream media or the lamestream media talk about Biden and roll out reasons for why he may not be the most the best candidate, the most suited candidate for 2024. You know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, when they start talking about Biden corruption and they start talking about Biden's age, that something is going on. That may be the biggest proof that I have for you is places like CNN with Jake Tapper talking about how Trump was actually correct about some of the correct corruption of Joe Biden. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about uh, what are you talking about? China. What no, you none of that is president. true. He made a fortune in Ukraine, in China, in Moscow, that is simply and various not other places. True. So it's from two different debates, yeah. but I mean, Trump was right. I mean, he did make a fortune from China and Joe Biden was wrong. But here's the one thing I can tell you that COVID says to us that we need to remember is that I think there is a group of people out there that just need COVID. And why do they need it? Well, 
They need it because they need somebody to tell them what to do. In a secular society where we've tried to push God to the back shelf or totally off the cliff, as far as our life is concerned, we, we don't have a higher power. And as G.K. Chesterton so rightly said, that if you stop believing in God, it's not that you believe in nothing, it's that you'll believe in anything. And the point of that is just simply that something must take the place of God. And for so many people, that becomes bureaucracies and the government and the expert class. Because we need this sense of higher power. We need this sense of being connected to something. We need this sense of foundation underneath our feet. Why, when wildfires happen in Maui, do we immediately say climate change? Well, it's still the political class that is responsible for not taking care of the people during this crisis can blame somebody other than themselves, but it's also because we need an explanation for what's going on around us. We need a narrative, a meta-narrative as it were, to, to help organize our life around. And for people without God or people without a strong relationship with God, here's what they do. They look to the confidence that they can find in the government. But boy, is your allegiance and your trust misplaced in that group of people. And if that hasn't already been revealed to you, again, I'm not sure that I can help you much with this show. Suffice to say that I would ask you to question whether or not you are putting in place of faith and trust in God, your faith and trust in government. And I'll just say this, the bigger the government gets, the smaller the individual gets. But the more you put your faith in not a lowercase g, but an uppercase g, God, the bigger the person gets, the more independent the person gets. So if I were you, I'd throw the government to the curb and, and place your faith in something bigger and something more permanent because the government is not as squeaky clean as we might want to suggest. And we'll look at that in our next story as we look at the Biden administration who just recently, without any act of legislative authority, began overturning laws with guns. Here's how this works. The Biden administration on Thursday proposed the broadest expansion of firearm background checks in decades, leveraging a provision of the bipartisan gun control law pa passed last year that requires thousands of unlicensed firearm brokers to register as federally licensed dealers. The regulations drafted by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms and Explosives are intended to close loopholes involving gun shows and internet sales. They are part of President Biden's piecemeal efforts to enact a key policy goal, universal background checks, which has been repeatedly stymied by congressional Republicans. Federal law requires background checks only for purchases made through the about 80,000 firearm sellers who are engaged in the business of selling, shipping, importing, or manufacturing weapons. But licensed but unlicensed private sellers in many states have been able to legally sell at gun shows out of their houses and through online platforms without having to submit to the criminal and mental health background check required for the tens of thousands of gun sellers regulated by the government. The proposed rules are intended to close the gap between state and federal law by requiring anyone who earns a profit from selling firearms to obtain a federal license and conduct a background check. Now, upon first hearing that, some of you who have never practiced your Second Amendment right or believed in it, 
um, maybe you just hate the Constitution, or maybe you listen to the left and you believe that there are certain fundamental rights in the Constitution, like aborting your baby, but having a gun, which is explicitly stated in the Second Amendment, is not one of those rights. But nonetheless, maybe if you hear that, you're thinking to yourself, well, what's, so, what's the big deal with background checks? I mean, shouldn't everybody who owns a gun potentially have to undergo a background check? And I'm going to potentially make both sides of the argument angry here. And I would say I have no problem with everybody who has a firearm going through a background check. But now, because of Joe Biden, his, his administration, in other words, the federal government, is bypassing all of that and from above pressing down a law upon an individual that before wasn't in place and wasn't on the books. And again, all of this without going through the Senate, without going through the House, with zero legislative process, simply through a definitional change. So in other words, here's the problem with this and something that all of you, whether you're Second Amendment right practitioners or not, practitioners or not, you should have a problem with is that once again, this administration is showing that they have no problem weaponizing bureaucracies and weaponizing the Department of Justice or the ATF or any other of its branches. They have no problem weaponizing these people against the individual citizen. Now that's a huge problem. It sets a precedent, and yes, this is a slippery slope argument, and it's a small one because this one isn't as big a deal to me, and it may be to you, but it isn't to me as some of the other things that we're seeing right now in front of our face. For instance, the First Amendment is being hijacked by the Biden administration online through the FBI, calling places like Twitter and Facebook and asking them to suppress stories. We've already seen this over and over and over again. And here we have the Biden administration again backdooring legislation through the, through the suppression of the Second Amendment by definitional changes as to what constitutes an individual seller and what constitutes an actual you know, brick and mortar seller or a person who has a business. All of this shows us that Biden has absolutely no problem usurping authority in illegitimate ways and weaponizing the DOJ against its citizens. Now, this is a precedent that is incredibly, incredibly damaging. It's a usurpation of power that uses language games, and the left is great at it. In fact, they can't even define what a woman is, famously. They, they love using language games to, to twist and manipulate things. I mean, I would love to see the analog for the right on this, and, and, I, and I'm trying to be bipartisan here. I would love to see the way in which the right manipulates language in order to force bureaucracies down the throat of individual private citizens. This is something only the left does. And this is something that is so brazen that if you don't pay attention to it, it could create a, a, a precedent that not only in the future has problems, but a precedent that we've seen in the past. So my problem is, yes, the future precedent of usurping power that doesn't belong to the federal government, uh, suppressing state laws, and the federal government um, ultimately just overstretching its authority. But we've seen this in the past. So we don't even have to use slippery slope arguments We can about what may happen in the future. We can look to the past and see that the Second Amendment was a lightning rod of controversy throughout history. Now, of course, not the Second Amendment as it's situated in the present, but, but simply the idea of private gun ownership, something that from the foundings of America was essential to the livelihood of the individual, and something that I would say is essential still to this day. But all you have to do is go to the famous uh, example on the left, which is Nazi Germany. 
because I'll bet you'll never guess what happened with Second Amendment rights. Now, of course, the Second Amendment's ours, but I'm talking about gun protections. Um, I'll bet you'll never guess what happened when the Third Reich gained control and started to uh, impose some of their ideas on gun legislation. Well, I bet you'd never guess that those who are a part of the Nazi party experienced a leniency as far as guns were concerned, that those citizens in the Third Reich uh, all of a sudden experienced much more freedoms as it, was, um, as, it, as it pertained to them with guns. But I bet you'll never guess that those who were outside the Nazi party, that much more restrictive gun laws were imposed upon them sound like maybe the left trying to impose its ideas about guns on the, the right. And I bet you'll never guess that more broadly that Jews in the Third Reich in Nazi Germany were totally prohibited from gun ownership, from personal gun ownership. Now, why is that? Because the limitation of gun ownership and the restrictions of gun ownership has always been an earmark of totalitarianism. You may think that's overbloated because we've got a federal government that has tanks and, and uh, bombers and, and aircraft carriers. And what does a private citizen have if the government decides to go rebellious on us? What, what do, does a private citizen have that can actually protect themselves? But, but, but I just want you, for just a moment, to think about the historical implications of gun ownership and how totalitarians have throughout history used gun ownership as a, a canary in the coal mine, as it were, as to the impending nature of totalitarianism in the future. Whether you think it's ridiculous to think that a private citizen can protect himself against the government going rogue or not, what I want you to at least acknowledge is the fact that totalitarian states have had huge problems with the Second Amendment. And if we find that the Second Amendment is in the crosshairs of a particular party, then you might want to question the totalitarian tendencies of that party. And more importantly, throughout this show, I've tried to illustrate the problem with secularism. If the government does go corrupt and you've placed all of your faith and hope in a system of government that ultimately is just corruptible and made by man, then we might need to put our faith in something much bigger than ourselves and in the federal government, which by the way is just run by human beings. And to see where we might find room to do that, let's jump to our final segment, Bible study with Democrats. Oh God of pronouns. By now you're probably familiar with Oliver Anthony, the hit songwriter of the song, Richmond North of Richmond. That song has taken the charts and the nation by storm for obvious reasons. He has this haunting, really good voice. And more importantly, the words of the song ring deeply, deeply true. Now, I especially appreciate him, as you may, because the, the fame hasn't seemed to have gone to his head yet, because whenever he has the opportunity to, he very humbly reads scripture and gives credit to God for saving his life from depression and from drug addiction. So needless to say, his, his fame actually seems somewhat rightfully deserved here. And I find myself saying more and more these days, I don't like country music, but I really do like this song. I said this with Jason Aldean, and I'm saying it here with this one, because there is something just very powerful about this song that Oliver Anthony sang and gave to the world. But the reason I want to highlight him here in this segment, Bible Study with Democrats, is because there's a strategy that has allowed Christianity to weaken so much under our watch that has allowed the left to kind of come in and make bold assertions like you can have 
drag queen story hour at your church and that you can have, you know, glitter masses and, um, and, and that the LGBTQ religion situates just perfectly fine within the context of biblical Christianity. It's, it's an insane idea and one has to ask, where do these people get the boldness to even believe that this kind of nonsense can sit within the context of Christianity? And that's why I wanted to highlight Oliver Anthony here, because I believe that his story is a little bit of an illustration, if you will, for how the Democrats that have totally tried to butcher Christianity in this generation, how they are allowed to exist. Because very often, Christians have not been really great at addressing these issues in the past. Either we've been too iron-fisted and um, not really logical in being iron-fisted, or we've just not fought that battle whatsoever. And so, I want to try to show you this via an illustration of Oliver Anthony, who just recently was on Joe Rogan and then also recently came out and made some personal comments. And I think this will start to make a little bit more sense. But first, let's go to the good. Let's go to Oliver Anthony talking about God on the biggest podcast platform in the world. Check it out. It's like, uh, and I'll be very brief with this, I promise. But like one thing, ironically, it's... uh Proverbs 4.20, which I thought you would like. <laughs> so if there's anything better. Perfect. But, Read um, it. Preach. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. But um, That's pretty profound. But the whole book of Proverbs is like that. Like it's not preachy. It's not, it's not what you think. Like it's, it's like it's good guidance. It's like good guidance that you would want a father to give to his son. Now, I love to hear this. And in fact, it's really interesting to see Hulk Hogan one week uh, talk about Jesus on, and how Jesus has saved his life on the, the Joe Rogan experience. And then for Oliver Anthony the following week to do the exact same thing. And to see Rogan kind of be more open-minded to Christianity is also interesting. I won't say he's on a spiritual journey yet of any great merit. Um, and I won't say, oh, I can't wait for Joe Rogan to get saved because man, just imagine if that guy got saved, that we've made those arguments far too often. The kind of like celebrity argument that, oh, he'd be great for the kingdom of God. And it's like, no man, Jesus is great. And whenever we realize who he is, that's what the world desperately needs. And I think this next clip will kind of illustrate that even more because whenever Christians jump on the celebrity bandwagon, it usually backfires in their face. And I'm thinking, uh, Kanye in particular, because he was hot for a minute when he came out with his brand new album that he was trying to push in Christian circles, but it didn't take long for that crazy train to absolutely derail. And while of much different proportion, I think in this next clip, you'll hopefully see why we need to be not so quick to jump on the celebrity bandwagon as it pertains to Christianity and universal truth that the world needs now more than ever. Because here's Anthony kind of taking an odd stance after singing such a powerful song like Richmond, North of Richmond. Check it out. There is anything for me to address at all with you. It's that, uh, You know, it's the one thing that has bothered me is seeing people wrap politics up into this. Uh, 
I'm disappointed to see, like, it's aggravating seeing people on conservative news try to identify with me like I'm one of them. It's aggravating seeing certain musicians and politicians act like we're buddies and and act like we're fighting the same struggle here, like that we're trying to present the same message. Uh, you know, I've, I've had a lot of people reach out to me, and I've tried to be polite to everybody, and um, I've talked to hundreds of people the last two weeks. But it seems like certain people want to just ride the attention of this song to maybe make them their own selves relevant, and that's aggravating as hell. The other thing that I find aggravating is, uh, well, you know, like, it was funny seeing my song in the, it was fun, it was funny seeing it at the presidential debate, because it's like, I wrote that song about those people, you know, so for them to have to sit there and listen to that, uh, that cracks me up. Like, that song has nothing to do with Joe Biden, you know? It's a lot bigger than Joe Biden. Um, that song's written about the people on the on that stage. So there we go. I mean, that's that's absolutely rich. This song was written for the people on the stage at the Republican debate, but it was not written for Joe Biden. I, I, I absolutely think you have that backwards. And listen, I'm willing to admit, maybe it's both of them. It's for the people on that GOP stage and it's for, it's for the Joe Bidens of the world. But trust me, that song and the lyrics of that song are definitely for Joe Biden and, and all of his friends because they are the reason that uh, entitlement programs like welfare, which is mentioned in the song, are so out of control. I also think it's kind of interesting, too, that Oliver Anthony obviously gave permission for this song to be played at the Republican debates that night. So for him to distance himself like this seems just suffice to say a little bit honest. So I just want to start from the very beginning to just say, yes, your song is political. It is, Oliver Anthony. You were talking about political things in, in, the, uh, in the song, and it is political. And of course, it matters how we define what it means to be political, but... But the reason he is trying to distance himself ultimately from this song in its political overtones, if not undertones, um, is because he seems to be trying to create mass appeal. He doesn't want anybody on the left not to like his song, and he certainly wants to make people on the right continue to like his song. He's just, he's making that mistake that so many have made of trying to situate himself in the middle so that he can so that he can grab both audiences and try to gather them around the song because he doesn't want it to be divisive. Well, I just have to tell you, it's not gonna work. You'll figure out real quick, if you alienate the conservative, the people who are supporting you right now, you'll figure out real quick where your fame and your status goes. Not to mention, you'll figure out real quick what happens if you try to befriend people on the left. You are not loved by those people. There are, there's two big, fat, golden cows on the left, and that is the body positivity movement, which you made fun of in your song, and entitlement programs. So please, trust me, you are not finding friends on the left with your song, and you are taking a political stance because you're squarely speaking about things that resonate with conservatives. So your song is a conservative song. And it says what conservatives have been saying for years. There's nothing new in that song. These are all things that conservatives have been saying. But even if his song wasn't political, it should be. The center, which Oliver Anthony has come out and said he's kind of a political centrist, the center is a proxy almost always for cowardice and laziness. And, and here's what I mean by that. 
the center, especially for Christians, have been a position of cowardice in this way, that Christian pastors for far too long have tried to sit in the middle because they want to try to be sufficiently welcoming and pleasing to the people who are dead set against Christianity and for all intents and purposes, hate everything that Christians stand for. And so they think that the way to reach those people is to try to stand somewhere in the middle. But of course, we know from Mr. Miyagi what happens if you kind of karate maybe. So it's, it's a position of cowardice because you don't want to take a position because you're afraid of the repercussions, the social repercussions of really standing up for the issues that matter most. And it's laziness in that you can only really be a centrist on major issues if you just haven't taken the time to really think through these things. Because when you do, you oddly find yourself being pushed to one side or another, especially if you're a Christian. There really is no middle ground when it comes to the gender mutilation of children. I, you can't be a centrist there and be a Christian. So if you think you can, it's either because you're just being cowardly or because you haven't taken the effort and the time that it takes and the kind of mental maturity that you need to kind of think through these issues in a, in a deep, deep way. So in other words, the center is no place, especially for a Christian or at least just a thinking man. And this is why I wanted to bring this up because for the longest time, Christians have been using this kind of strategy. We'll talk about Jesus and we'll share the Bible and try to make sure that when we do so, we share passages that won't offend the sensibilities of modern man. And when it comes to divisive issues, we back down. Now, I'm, I'm grateful for Oliver Anthony. I'm grateful for his song. I'm grateful when he goes on Joe Rogan and he shares some of the things that he shared there in his testimony because that's powerful. But it's, but it's also not enough. We need Christian men and women to stand up in the public square for the kind of political issues that really matter when it comes to issues of like gay marriage, when it comes to issues of abortion, when it comes to issues of transgenderism. But by and large, many Christians have not stood up for those things. And as a result of it, the left has slowly but surely encroached in on the church and taken that captive just like they have the media because common sense won't rule the day when the postmodern neo-Marxist left is slowly but surely taking territory because we won't defend it. And when we don't defend that kind of territory, we're, we're sending a loud and clear message to the secularist out there. First and foremost, we're saying Christ really doesn't have anything important to say. If we're not really willing to stand up on issues and really stand up on issues that may even potentially be divisive, you know, the issues that matter most, what we're saying is Jesus really doesn't have important things to say. When we stand behind, I'm not political, I just preach the gospel, you better be careful when you say that because you might really just be saying, ultimately, I'm trying to avoid prickly conversations. And then in doing that, you're communicating that Jesus doesn't really have anything important to say on these subjects, and it couldn't be further from the truth. Let's just start with gay marriage. As Jesus says, what God has put together, marriage between a man and a woman, let no man put asunder. Or how about that little pesky verse about if you mess with children, you know, it'd be better if you tied a millstone around your neck and threw yourself into the sea. Jesus has things to say about the treatment of children, you know, in the uh, LGBTQ community drag queen story hour and gender mutilating care. Um, but he also has things to say about abortion and all of these other issues. He has important things to say about it, but we're communicating subtly to the world that Jesus really doesn't care about those things. He has nothing important to say to us on these really important issues. And so don't be surprised when people want to tune uh, the words of Christ out because we've, to we've told them essentially that there's nothing interesting there for them to see. But most importantly, 
uh, or maybe not most importantly, but also importantly, we've also communicated a subtle message about Christianity. So the first one, we've communicated a message about Christ, but we've also communicated a message about Christianity, is that even if Jesus did have important things to say, it's not that important to us. That, that Christians lack the kind of courage, the moral virtue, to actually stand up for what they believe in. And so a generation of people who crave authenticity and say, oh, we love authenticity. We want to hear how weak you are and how you're just like everybody else, but, but we're not willing to be authentic when it comes to the true authentic beliefs of the church. So even if Jesus did have important things to say, ultimately when Christians don't stand up for those things, we're saying it's not that important and it really doesn't matter to your life. But this is why we shouldn't jump on the Christian celebrity bandwagon too quickly and why we need to value truth above everything else. The ability of most new converts to express depth is almost always lacking. And Oliver Anthony is a brand new baby Christian. Celebrate him and his success, but know his discipleship is necessary before we really care too much about what he has to say. For my part, I'm not talking about credentialism, but before I ventured into this podcast of my own, I spent 20 years traveling around the world speaking. I earned, earned, wasn't given to me, a graduate degree. Not that I care about any of that, and you shouldn't either, I'm just merely saying this. A man with a guitar has earned the right to sing and play music, not to elaborate on the wisdom of the ages. All of this is not a knock on Anthony. Speak on, preach on, and inspire others. This is a knock on us. The reason we jump at the chance to celebrate a celebrity is because we love the flashy and often miss the valuable. Hollywood has caused us to value talent and disregard character. If this isn't so, why did we vote for Joe Biden? The man's been lying his whole life. I'll tell you why. Biden was promised to be a saving grace from Donald Trump. We thought a corrupt, lifelong politician who has lied about his college, lied about his past, lied about his son, lied about basically everything, and yes, I'm sorry to admit, even lied about corn pop, would somehow help our country simply because we are in love with feelings over truth. Now, there are those in the church who would say our society has become success-obsessed, that we need to slow it down, we need to be okay with failure and be okay with our inadequacies in order to live a more stress-free and joyful life. Really? Is the bigger problem in our society that we're so dedicated to excellence or that we celebrate mediocrity? We celebrate musicians who accomplish the great, great feat of being morbidly obese. We celebrate men for being women of the year and young men for smashing women's swimming records. Oh yeah, and we celebrate women's soccer. I mean, men's soccer isn't even a real sport. All that to say this about Anthony's success, I'm grateful for it. But before we think that he has too much legitimacy in the words that he has to declare to us, we should be careful to realize that our society may not truly be obsessed with success, an American Idol kind of success, but, but we're actually kind of obsessed with mediocrity. Could that be because we as a society have lost our telos as a culture? what Aristotle considered the ultimate truth or the ultimate standard, the ultimate end of life, the thing we should aim at. As secularism has seeped into mainstream culture, along with it has also been an arbitrary standard of what is good and what is bad, what is right and wrong. Now we find our subjectivists in the world claiming that my truth and your truth are equally valid, even if they wildly contradict each other. The truth is that Anthony's song has a telos that rings true. That's why people are responding to it. We feel it in our bones, we know it deep down in our soul, that the way things are, are not as they should be. 
but we must respond to that with a desperate search for what can provide the right answers. If we respond with foot tapping and reciting platitudes, we'll perpetuate the problems of society. In order to truly alleviate these problems and to be honest about truth, we must diligently search for it and go far beyond the superficial and even into things that divide us from time to time. Since when did we get the impression that the truth wouldn't come at a price? After all, that guy Jesus wasn't crucified because he was so God-awfully loving and just so sweet. He was crucified because he stood for the truth. And we must do so even if it means that we find ourselves at ends with society. Because ultimately, when that society reaps the repercussions of its actions, it will turn full circle around and realize that we had something to offer, even if they didn't recognize it at the time. But will we be standing in the place of truth, even if it came at a cost, when the world needs us the most? By the way, that same man that was crucified, he is the ultimate telos, his word and his person. And without him, we'll keep celebrating the very things that spell our demise. But if we cling to him, we might find something much better. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks so much for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and go with God.